Hello, my name is Ben. And my name is Andrew. And we are your hosts of the Too Vague Podcast this week. Andrew, call in via satellite or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> voice timing or whatever this is. Yes, yes, space time. Yes. I, I insist on calling it space time, even though it's called FaceTime. We can call it space time. Oh, excellent. You explained that to me last time, I think, right? Yeah, I think you did on a, on a previous yeah, show. Yeah, did. We talked about time and space. Yeah. Meaning. Yeah, yes. exactly. Deep and stuff. Since, since then, I've got my own poang chair. Yes, I was going to say. We're poang twins. Poang twins. That's right. I came and did your podcast, and I was like, I need one of these. It's great. It's a wonderful, very relaxing chair. And then you yeah. can also get the um, the replacement cushions if you want. But yeah. if you got the leather ones, those are I think those are the best ones. Leather or faux leather. Let me get those. These, this was a, a buy nothing score. So Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. And then, um, yeah, I could, get the, I could upgrade the, the cushions if I want at some point. And if you need an Allen wrench, uh, an extra Allen wrench, I got one for you. I got a bucket of them. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> let me just say one thing about the poem. You do need to tighten it every once in a while. Oh, yeah. That's that's one of the first things I did. I got it, and it, it smelled kind of like somebody else's dog. Uh-huh. And I, I cleaned it up, and I tightened up all the things, and uh, polished it up with some, uh, I don't know, some wood polish stuff just to, okay. to make it shiny. Right. Some pledge or whatever. That's right. So yeah, yeah. so it was, a, it was a very economical thing for me to do. To yeah, nice. Find something someone's going to throw away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is not the show about chairs this week. It's not the show about chairs. Unfortunately. Sorry. Yeah. We, <laughs> we should do a show on chairs. There's a lot, a lot to be said about chairs. Yeah. Yeah. I have a stool rant about a game that I played where it's just these, it's a post-apocalyptic future kind of thing. And then just randomly, these three-legged stools everywhere. I was like, why would you 3D print three-legged stools? I mean, it's not it's not an economy thing where, you know, you want to print more stools. Do you think? I don't know. The, the one thing about a three-legged stool is um, they're not tippy. Yes. The only benefit I can see to that. Not even talking about economies of three-legged stools we're talking oh, about okay. the word today is economy well economy and i i also like the word economics yes which is like the scary version of economy isn't it which one's the scarier word economics or economy i don't know as far as understanding what it is yeah i think economics is more scary yeah i don't necessarily say scary it's it's more complex. It has more controls, more possible blunders. Something like an economy can be built, whereas in economics, economies are already built. You can make fine adjustments to them, but it's not like... What do I think? I think um, economics is the um, the sort of uh, looking at all kinds of ways uh, people move stuff around between each other and figure out how to keep track of it and all that. And like an economy is just basically one subset. One country has its own economy. Mm-hmm. But if we want to talk about how an economy works, then we call it economics. Yes. And it's like bunches of economies interacting. Bunches and of economies. Yeah. Everything's... Yeah, man, it's like the internet. Globalization. Globalization. Globalization was so great until it stopped working. What do you mean? 
Um, our global supply chain nonsense. Oh, okay. That was like uh, the global economy. Like all of a sudden, we're like, oh, oh, we outsourced all this stuff, mm-hmm. and now we can't get enough of it. I mean, here's the very first thing that happened in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to this NPR story where they were talking to somebody who manufactured medical grade face masks. Right. And he was saying, yeah, um, this, we're, we're here in the news and I talking to the government saying, how many of these do you want to buy? Because trying to figure out whether he wants to ramp up his production because, uh, American production of those masks was uh, mostly gone after the swine flu thing. Hmm. Because all the companies really, uh, you know, uh, upgraded all their uh, production capacity. Right. And then the swine flu pandemic really wasn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And it it passed quickly. And then uh, all those companies had uh, this manufacturing tools that they didn't need. And then they had to sell them. And then they didn't have the production capacity anymore. Right. And so this one company is like, well, United States what do you want from what I can supply because I'm getting orders from all over the world right now. Right. And, uh, the administration of the government at that time was not too interested because they thought it would pass in like two weeks. Right. Or that it didn't exist. Or that it didn't exist or whatever. They're like, ah, people are worrying for no reason. Yeah. But because all, all of the other manufacturing sources besides this one company had already left the United States, Mm-hmm. We, we didn't have the production capacity to, to to make a lot of them at home. Right. Until people started making them and selling them on the internet. 3D printing their mat. I don't know. They were sewing. There's a, a supply and demand thing there that we can talk about possibly later. Oh, but Supply and demand. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get into that and before we get into your latest zine and talking about that as it relates to oh, right. economy and economics Let's briefly talk about the definition of the word economy. Ah. A noun, the wealth and resources of a country or region, especially in terms of the production and consumption of goods and services. Yeah. A particular system or stage of an economy, such as a free market economy. Careful management of available resources also sparing or careful use of something also a financial savings yeah here's the last one uh or at least the last noun the cheapest class of air or rail travel there you go thanks oxford really appreciate that really needed that last one the last one well you know it's it's, it's right economy has lots of uh different nuanced definitions yes yeah like the economy car which is leads into my description which is an adjective offering the best value for the money or designed to be an economical use there you go yeah oh economy car did you know that that's uh that is mostly used in the u.s they don't use it other places very often we use it most here in the united states yeah are we going to call electric vehicles economy cars no 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 we're going to call them let's see we're going to call electric cars to really sell them brushless power master cars oh yeah yeah because apparently this is the thing that uh, like electric uh, battery powered tools mm-hmm. you, you got to get the brushless ones oh okay and why is that you got these brushless electric motors that just work better than the old electric motors and so you know this is when i'm going to home depot and 
Oh yeah. You know, shopping, shopping around the tools and they're like brushless motor, brushless motor. Yeah. And, uh, apparently those are stronger. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's where, um, Elon's got to figure out how to market his truck better. Yeah. Because Ford's going to come out with the brushless turbo Bronco. Which car company do you think is going to do it best? Do it best. Yeah. Um, do the electric motor best for their vehicles. Or are they probably going- Toyota. You think? I don't know. <laughs> get right down there. Like- it's just like, look, what's a car name? Uh, Toyota. Got it. Toyota. 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 They like, they like to make cars that last for 20 years. So they'll, they'll probably do it real good. Yeah. Um, Renault. Maybe. Let's see. Um, I don't know. But no, did you see that GM brought the the Hummer brand back? Oh yeah, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Hummers went away for a while because they did because um, basically the whole point of the Hummer was it's a big uh, car that's super macho and burns a lot of gas. Right. But now they've brought it back and it's an EV. Okay. An electric vehicle. The new Hummer is an electric vehicle. Interesting. And I don't know, I can crab walk. I saw a commercial that had something to do with crab walking. Crab walking. You mean like for, for parking? For for tricky parallel parking situations, like all of the tires can independently rotate a little bit and the car can go diagonal, I guess. It seemed dumb. That sounds like a recipe for danger, but... Yeah, there's a lot of those, yeah. Yeah. The origin, the etymology. The origin, go for it. Uh, late 15th century, in the sense management of material resources from french economy or uh, by way of latin from greek oikonomia mm-hmm. oikos which is house and uh, neiman which is manage nemine. yeah and then current senses of the word and what it means basically started in the 17th century do you have anything to add to to the etymology of I would say, well, I like that you got the Greek word in there, the Greek prefix. The, um, but I, I like to always point out that the the eco part of it mm-hmm. is exactly the same eco that's in ecology. Yeah. So, you know, ecology is also about our house, but it's uh, looking at it a different way. Yeah. And, you know, our house, the, the economics and economy is about the metaphorical house that we live in. Correct. And our great households of people. Besides just our little tiny house. Yep. But like this is, you know, in my little zine that I made. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and. My, my window on economics. Yeah. You want to talk about it? Yeah. Because I spent, I spent some time. I wanted to, the last time I made a zine, it was about ability. And we had you on the show for that. Yeah. I think I did like, I begged you. I said, put me on your podcast because <laughs> it's so much cooler than making zines. <laughs> it's exactly the same amount of cool sorry um but uh, so i made that and then um i was like trying to think about what would my next thing be and then mm-hmm. end up uh thinking about all this economic stuff all the time right and then i was like oh this is weird and confusing and uh, maybe a younger me would have benefited from my current weird take on it and i, was like, I better write my current weird take on it down okay so that's why I made my my new zine, which the, the copy I sent you probably had the cover that said a window on economics. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, partially robot industries presents a window on economics. Yeah, but I changed the title. What did you change it to? I changed it to an actually autistic window on economics. 
because oh, okay. I realized that I wasn't marketing well. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, I got to put on, like, because nobody wants to pick up a book that's about economics or Windows, you know, that seems boring. But Right, but a perspective from, from someone who has a unique perspective that... It's like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, as a late and life diagnosed autistic person, I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is a, a thing and there's a, a hashtag I can cash in on. Right. Right. So I'm trying to really work the economics now because um, that's kind of the economics of social media. There's kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Social media is such a weird thing. Mm-hmm. especially right now when like um, some super rich guy was like, I'm going to buy this social media thing and then destroy all the means by which it makes money. Yeah. Because he he, he does. Yeah. And I don't know. There are a lot of people that, that I know and respect who are leaving the platform. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not quite at that spot yet, but then again, I'm not entrenched in all the, the CD sort of, the hate and and all that kind of stuff it's yeah the, the hate's no good and the person you were speaking of who may or may not got to start making electrical vehicles he no he no he got to start doing something else he was already rich when he he bought out that company and sidelined the original founder so right he was he he basically he hired some engineers and gave him enough money to do what he wanted him to do Right. And then he wanted to make rockets and he did the same thing. And now he wants to make trouble. And now, no, what happened was he was making trouble and then his, his mouse wrote a check that he said, no, you really got to back that up now. You said that you were going to do that and you got to do it now. Right. Because part of his whole deal with Twitter is that uh, he made some weird tweets about his car company earlier on that sort of... Uh, the SEC was like, no, you can't do that. That's manipulating markets. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, you know, they whacked them. They said, no, if you're going to put tweets about your car company, you have to run them by a lawyer first. And they could make them do that because Twitter was a publicly traded company. But now it's his own his own mouthpiece. And then uh, then, he, then he shot off his mouth on, mouth on that saying, well, I'm going to just buy it up and take it private. Yeah. And then the same forces that told him, like, you can't just say that you're going to buy stuff <laughs> and not do it. And then they, they made him buy it. Yeah. So, but. For, for better, for worse. I mean, if it's, if it's going to be, if, if it's something that's beneficial to people, I think that's what people are worried about with Twitter specifically. People yeah. use that very frequently to communicate with their audience. And now that trouble is going to be stirred up especially if your name is weird al then you oh, know weird al. no he's he knows what he's doing yeah <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing <laughs> it's a tricky subject i really don't know enough about the negative sides of what's going on on twitter all i know is i see a lot of people who are just not using the platform anymore and trying something else yeah well i i think what the the real problem with twitter is that a lot of people just lost confidence in the platform yeah so that's just something that's going to happen because the, the the platform of twitter like it, it just had a shelf life and it came to an end it you know yeah I think uh, things that happened a few years ago really turned people off. Yeah. And they stopped checking it as much. And like, I stopped checking it as much. Right. Either that or they checked it too frequently and got worried. Yeah. Like now, now I find that if I tweet something, 
Uh, it's just like uh, shouting into a well. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody's liking anything anymore or retweeting. It's like everybody's like, oh, unless it's a super famous person tweets something, then they feel safe, like liking it or retweeting it. Yeah. I just never understood. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't want this to be a show about Twitter. No, no. It's it was for, the only good thing about Twitter was that it was a place for smart asses to make smart ass comments. And we liked it that way. <laughs> but that's Reddit. I think that's where that's what Reddit's for. Yeah, that's the thing. I think Twitter's for Reddit for people with short attention spans. I, I don't guess. know. I, you know, it, it's just a I never quite understood. I understood part of it, like how you would get things trending and how you would observe these these things and utilize that to get your word out but it just seemed to me a, a means to if you were on a crowded street in a, in a big city like for example Chicago and you just wanted to yell your opinions standing out there yelling your opinions at people that's all it is it's just yelling opinions it is it's it's like that that's why um we need to change the subject because Twitter's kind of dumb. Yeah, Twitter is dumb. Okay, so let's... <laughs> it's dumb. And we just concluded our Twitter is dumb segment of the show. As you were saying, with your zine that you created, was this around the conclusion of the COVID? I say conclusion, but you know what I mean. When, you know, we, we started interacting with people again, was that when you started thinking about economics or was it during the COVID times? I've been sort of thinking about economics for a long time. I just didn't realize I was. Okay. I've been like thinking about uh, how to try to make my money work better for a while. Okay. My work, um, there was a union benefit where I could get a uh, free education, like a free uh, associate's degree. Okay. So I... I took some coursework and got an associate's degree in accounting as, as a way to like think of, well, maybe I need to switch my career path. Right. Over the process of that, it just got me thinking about, oh, accounting isn't about just about money. Money is just the way that we compare things and be able to put value on stuff. Right. So that we know what we're, we're doing. But um, I realize there's so much, so much more that you can think about besides just how much is my credit card balance and yeah. how much do I need to come up with by the third of the month or I'm in trouble. Right. I think with accounting or bookkeeping to some extent, mm -hmm. all it is is math pretty much. I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no, no conceptual things that you can think about in accounting there are assets that we components building blocks but but as, yeah. as far as it fits into an economy you're not concerned with that as an accountant necessarily unless your accountant invests but i would call that an advisor as opposed to an accountant when i think account well what are you what are your thoughts i was going to say that the discipline of accounting mm. gives you the tools to look at the way um, energy and resources flow between people mm -hmm. and it, it gives you a different way to look at it and really though, Oh, these different amounts, these different transactions have things on both sides of them and they have to equal out. And, um, and you sort of see like, Oh, 
uh, the stuff that's coming from this country to that country, then something else needs to go the other way or there's an imbalance. Yeah. And if there's an imbalance for a long time, then things get weird. Are you talking about income expenses, liabilities, assets? With that, you mean just balance in general? Well, uh, what I think in general is like to get away from the money part is that people undervalue themselves. Mm -hmm. Like people don't recognize that they actually have some assets. I think young people especially let their bosses kind of make them feel valueless. Mm -hmm. And I, I think now our current crop of young people is probably like, no, I'm not valueless. I saw a TikTok about this and my boss can shut up. But... <laughs> Then, well, then they get fired. Yeah, and, and the whole quiet quitting thing. Let's not get into that either, because that 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 whole trend is kind of like it's called having a job. Is is it, it's, it's called having a job? That's what it is. It, it, you it's know, called, you, you were too excited about your job before, and now you figured out how to put on the brakes on some stuff. Right, right. It's yeah. how we Gen Xers just worked. It's not because yeah. we didn't. We're not putting. We're putting our effort into it. We're just not going. I I don't think. You know, unless it serves us in some way or unless we're doing, doing it for happiness, we don't go above and beyond in a lot of... Well, yeah. Yeah. This, this weird idea that you have to work like crazy to get ahead is like, no. Yeah. As Scrooge McDuck's father told him, work smarter, not harder. Is that a Scrooge McDuck quote? I don't know. It was <laughs> in an episode of DuckTales when I was a kid. Somebody else might have said it. I don't... Yeah, I don't think it was Scrooge McDuck. I believe it was said before that. I, I, I hate to rain on your parade. Probably, but that's the, that's the truth. Yeah. Work smarter, not harder. And, uh, and I think to some extent, businesses in general kind of... I don't know if they poisoned that phrase a little bit it's been said so many times as as far as in business speak yeah in such a way that makes it not mean as much now but conceptually i think that's that's the thing it's like it's an efficiency question more than it's an efficiency else. question businesses do like to find efficiencies but one of their efficiencies that they like to find is to um you know, figure out how to exploit people for the, the lowest amount they can pay for labor. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, uh, slavery was, you know, the extreme of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, I'm working really smart here because I tell all these other people they need to work for me and they don't have a choice. Yeah. And we don't pay them. And I think child labor too. Did you, did you mention that in the zine? I don't recall. But I mean, that's another one of those. I didn't go too too specifically into child labor because because Newsies that was a great movie <laughs> about child labor. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a musical. It was a musical about the child labor Newsies going on strike. I, I never thought of it as child labor, but now that I think about it, when I had my paper out, that's child labor. Yeah. But it was—it's not the kind of child labor like the um, having the really young kids uh, thread things on the looms. Yeah, because yeah. their hands are tiny. Right. It's not like hard labor. It's more. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. The paper route's okay. But, yeah, uh, the hawking on the street corner is kind of dicey. Well, in any case, Newsies, your favorite movie. Yeah, Newsies. You know, totally irrelevant now because who's selling newspapers? Who knows? On the corner. Who knows what yeah, a newspaper extra, extra is? Read all about. It. They don't do it. Yeah. 
I had a discussion with Cheyenne about that and like newspaper people do. Do people really still read the newspaper? I was like, yeah, I know some people. I do. I got the New York Times on Sundays because yeah. I like to hold it. Yeah. I like to hold things. Yeah. I think that's another thing as we're getting older. You mentioned also in the zine stuff. Stuff. As a concept, uh, as far as stuff that we buy or stuff that we use. And yeah. I think that that's interesting to talk about that because now stuff isn't necessarily physical. It can be assets. It can be There's a lot of like intangible stuff. Correct. There's a lot more intangible stuff. Like, yeah. And really that is like a, an accounting category is the intangible assets. Yes, exactly. Which, um, there's that one guy who's uh, in trouble with his tax returns. Hmm. You know, I mean, I don't need to mention names, but part of uh, part of that thing is that I, what I realized, like, oh, he valued his business with this one big intangible asset mm-hmm. category called goodwill. Right. Like, he's basically brand recognition or name recognition, which can bring a lot of weight to a business transaction. Right. That is an intangible asset. And, and you know, it, you can get people to give you money for letting them use your intangible asset. Right. That's just your name. And it's uh, kind of the same thing as, I don't know, being a YouTuber, I guess. I don't know. You're not talking about Kanye, are you? Kanye. Well, I thought you were kind of going. Yeah. Kanye. Oh yeah. Kanye did the same thing. Right. Where he just basically, I wasn't talking about Kanye, but it's like, it's because it, lots of people do the same thing. They they get their name, they get their brand image, and then if they screw up, then all of a sudden nobody wants to do business with them. So their goodwill goes to zero. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, well that contract is null and void because of whatever. So so this this is this is actually talking to you about like the um, my sort of distinction about how things have to do with economy and have to do with with the social aspect of being a human, right? All the social frameworks that we have. And so if, if we didn't have like uh, unspoken or intangible values that kind of drive what we do, mm. economics wouldn't even work. Yeah. Right. Because you have to have this concept of there's something more than what I have right now. Like, um, the whole, yeah, the whole financial system is like, oh, I'm going to have more money in the future so I can borrow money now. Right. And then being able to do that actually means that we can make stuff happen. I like your point about the human asset comparison. Yeah, and that's the real thing is like, it, it, you can't forget the humanity of everybody that's involved in this. Yeah. Which unfortunately, big corporations are like designed to forget the humanity. Right. But, even though they are treated as <laughs> anyway, yeah, they, they get these. They do some funny stuff. Yeah, but but for the most part, you're all right. There's a human in the equation, but if we can't if we can't get that right as far as social interactions, how are we going to get it right for economy? Like you know, economics or an economy. Um, I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but I'm just saying that it's going to be a challenge. Us realizing, I think, that we have our own intangible assets is a first step. Yeah. But how can you teach respecting others and their own intangible assets and what they do and what they value? Yeah, well, that's that's philosophy. Yeah. 
That's very deep. Yeah, it's quote. not necessarily the economics. That's, this no, is no. a scary <laughs> thing that I, I realized as I was writing this. I was like, oh, a lot of these ideas are really just ideas about how things move and flow. Mm-hmm. And it's not really um, like a value judgment on there. There's not like the same mechanisms will work for organized crime as they will for your nonprofit that's feeding children places. Right. Right. Or a bake sale. Yeah. No, no bake sale. Bake sale. Yeah. Bake sale. Yeah, it's the same thing. A bake sale and racketeering. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's, the bake sales are emotional racketeering. Yeah. That's what that, you're like guilting people into giving you money for your, um, your baked goods. Yeah. The Girl Scouts got it. Let me tell you the Girl Scouts, they got it down. Yeah. They took a look at lemonade stands and they said, Hold my beer. Hold my beer. Let's yeah. Let's see. We're gonna contract a baker here. We got some boxes printed out. Let's see. Got the cute outfits. Everybody's got it. Everybody's got parents at work. There you go. Well, and isn't there like a subset of Keebler? I think that actually makes some of those that that kind of. I'm, I'm sure that there's yes. And they're two different. I mean, I I didn't do a ton of research on this, but I did do some research on the Girl Scout cookie thing once, where it was like. In the United States, there's a certain company that makes the cookies in one place and a certain company that makes them in another place. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This brings up the mayonnaise conspiracy. What's the mayonnaise conspiracy? You know, Best Foods mayonnaise? Yes. Yeah, they don't have that out back east. They have Hellman's. Right. I know Hellman's. I don't know Best. But you know Best, right? It's the same mayonnaise. <laughs> Same company. They use a different brand in different parts of the place. They used to be different companies, but they merged a long time ago. Right, right. That makes sense for regional kind of things. You know, you did mention things like intangible assets and brand recognition. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, you know, like you got to use the, the the mayonnaise that your grandma used, or it's not going to turn out right. Right. You're going to have shitty deviled eggs or whatever. Shitty deviled eggs. But let me see. What is the other one? Oh, dryers and eddies. I think that's it. Ice cream. Oh, yeah. 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 They're the same. They got the same logo. You look at their websites, you're like, oh, this is the same website. They just changed the names on everything. It's amazing. But I mean, and there are also yeah. things with brand recognition, though, that I mean, I'm not 100% sure on the Starbucks uh, Seattle's best thing. But I mean, oh. that's another one of those things where it's like the companies kind of merge, and, and but it's like you're still keeping them separate for a reason yeah starbucks like just spun off seattle's best they just sold it to somebody i think so probably sold it to folgers i don't know i'm not sure i'm not sure who they (laughs) it wasn't folgers Folgers crystals do you remember that saturday night live episode with the we replaced this person's blood i don't remember that that skit but you need to look it up it's hilarious but anyway I remember the commercials. The best part of waking up? We're the ones we, we replace this, this, this fancy-ass restaurant's gourmet coffee with Soldier's Crystals. Right, exactly. They go talk to people, and they're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yep. Soldier's Crystals. Like, that's, exa- that's exactly what the blood SNL thing is, is about. It's I'm hilarious. Sorry. Yeah, And they actually use the name. It's not like they use a fake name. It's like we've at the whatever hospital, we've replaced this person's blood with Soldier's Crystals. <laughs> An instant? You know what? I did have one question specifically about your basic concepts section. Yeah. 
you're doing a breakdown of the building blocks. And I did see that you had put in there assets and liabilities. Yeah. But I don't know why or if there was a reason why you didn't put equity in there. Is equity too confusing of a concept to put into that? Did you not put it in there intentionally? Oh, I didn't do it intentionally, but... I mean, it's just assets minus liabilities is is your equity. Yeah, that is the, the basic accounting equation. It is a difference of those two things. Therefore, I think yeah. you could say it's not a building block. Equity, equity. I, I would say part of it is the, the term equity means different things in different contexts because there is like the the social justice equity. Oh, yeah. And I feel like um, zines sort of have a social justice audience a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, that might... There would be conf- confusion. I would, I, mean, I would have to go on for too many pages to explain what I meant by equity. Gotcha. I think it's like, also, I think I filled up those pages. It's like, okay, well, what, what gets the X? It's equity. All right. You know, basically equity is just stored value. Yeah. Assets equals liability plus equity. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that, uh, that job at Intuit supporting QuickBooks would, would okay. come in handy at some Sorry. point. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, that's basically if, right, if you owe less money than what you've got assets, yeah, that means you have equity. Yeah, this you got stuff you can convert to cash and send out to your people. But right, right, um, yeah, and then you boring. got we got cash on hand. That's a short term asset, right? But anyway, yeah, let's. Kinda, oh yeah, there's short term assets and long term assets. Yeah. Let's not get into the how the sausage is made kind of exactly. portion because that's, that's what we stay away from that on the in the zine, right? Yeah, right, exactly. This is why I didn't talk about equity because it's uh, it's accounting, it's not economics. Right, right. I did talk about about assets and liabilities because those are more like relatable on a human way, and I think mainly because I was trying to really encourage people to build themselves up by f- realizing their own assets yeah that makes sense what is equity basically you have your assets Mm -hmm. and your assets are worth something and you're uh you got your liabilities and those you know the assets are what you have liabilities are what you pay right and your equity is if you have positive equity it is the amount the amount of the worth of your assets that's more than the worth of your liabilities right that's all it is. It's just math. It's there to make the numbers equal out. And if you have more liabilities than you have assets, then you're Kanye. Then you're Kanye. Your mortgage is underwater, as they say. Oh. Yeah. Kanye. Kanye. <laughs> yeah. Was trading on his name for a while. Right. I mean, basically anybody who is like super famous, a lot of their, I mean, one of their biggest assets is their name recognition, just right. the, their, their own celebrity. That's their asset. Right. And then all of a sudden Kanye became a, more of a liability than an asset. So right. his, his, uh, his equity went negative. Yeah. So, uh, Adidas's balance sheet. <laughs> Adidas's balance sheet. <laughs> They're like, you need to cut this. Yeah. We, we gotta, we gotta stop this. So then we, so we will terminate the contract and reduce your forthcoming income. Yeah, they're basically, yeah, we don't think we're going to be able to sell as much of this as we thought because it's not worth it anymore. And uh, I don't know. They might have had other excuses, too. 
I just don't, on an aside note, uh, you know, on an aside note. What is it, an aside or a side note? It's an aside note. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's both. Maybe it's redundant. My thought is, I was talking about this with my aunt, and I said to Nora, I said, are you familiar with who Kanye West is? And she said, oh, he's that dumb guy. Mm-hmm. He's like any other artist. He does have his idiosyncrasies, and and maybe yeah. that's part of his tortured soul is being paranoid or whatever. Dumb or super impulsive. Yeah. And uh, doesn't uh, keep up on his meds. Maybe. Right. I don't know. It's like, I'm not calling him dumb. I'm just calling him an asshole. Yeah. He's an asshole. Yeah. He's I mean, an asshole. I mean, that's that's it. If history is any teacher... Like when he did those those music awards with uh, what's her name? Um, oh, Taylor Swift. Yeah, the Taylor Swift thing. When he jumped up and he's like, "This this Grammy belongs to Beyonce or whatever it was." Basically, yeah. Yeah, and then two years later, he um, he he was getting up when uh, Beck received his mm-hmm. album of the year award, and Beck saw him and he was like waving him up. He's like, "Come up here! I don't know what the hell I'm gonna say. Just come on up." <laughs> and that kept him from going up on stage. So <laughs> Beck, Beck knew how to. Yep. Beck knew how to knows how to defuse a situation. Yep. I think it's all that Scientology. You, you know, I, I maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, Beck is the one. He's he's the one person that makes me go. Oh well, maybe maybe there's something to the Scientology. <laughs> really. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe it's just that that I'm like I like Beck. Yeah, I think I like Beck, and I I'm usually con- confused by Scientology. So yeah, I think we just need to be play it safe and separate our music and religion. That's true. At least in part. I mean, you know, in part. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Keep our secular music away from our religious beliefs, maybe. Yeah. But don't tell Amy Grant. But anyway, Amy okay, Grant. so. Anyway, yeah, so all right, so that's what we wanted to say about Kanye. I'm sorry, uh, ne- or negative, negative, equity. negative equity, yeah, negative equity, yeah. I'm Kanye's he's having a little negative equity problem right yeah. now. It'll probably, it'll probably work itself out. Is it Kyrie Irvin also the basketball player? Kind of, did, yeah, yeah, I he's you know, people end up saying things that maybe they shouldn't. And social media allows us to do that, right? It's it's social media allows us to forget to put on the brakes sometimes, and uh, yeah, and to forget that they're actual people, yeah, that are on the end of that, yeah, mechanism. And like you know, somebody can take a social media thing and run with it. So right, look out. right. On the other hand, my social media presence is very, very neglected by the public. I mean, maybe I should. Throw in some uh, really outlandish uh, hate speech, and then I'll get, I'll get my uh, my signal boosted. But yeah. that's not really how I roll. The best it was ever for me, as far as social media, was when uh, when Brendan Fraser liked one of my comments. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I got retweeted by Will Wheaton once. Oh uh, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool deal. That was like you know, that was ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was I, he just retweeted a comment that I put on something he was doing, which was nuts. It was actually sort of an ec- economy thing, uh-huh. really thing, because he was um, he was going through a storage unit and like auctioning old stuff, uh-huh. and you know he found like a ping pong ball that was kind of crushed in there, and he drew a smiley face on it, and as a joke he put it on eBay, 
Right. And it was getting a lot of bids and it was like somebody bid like $11,000 on it. And, you know, he was just sort of live tweeting, this is ridiculous. And then I just said, this is the weirdest episode of Storage Wars I've ever seen. <laughs> and so he retweeted that. And that, all of a sudden I got a bunch of followers and I was like, oh, cool. I got the Will Wheaton all right. juice. You know, that only lasted so long. And then and then when you stop tweeting for several years, then all those people, I lost my fan base. Yeah. Well, actually, that wasn't really my fan base. It was potential. It was it was me dorking around on Twitter and had a little moment of, ooh, that's fun. Yeah. To me, that's all Twitter is good for, is keeping up with things that are scheduled or people's yeah. shows or what they're doing or yeah. concerts or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the... The good part of social media is where, like, you can, like, let people know what's going on and what they might be interested in. Right, right. Yeah. I still don't know much about those hashtags, but whatever. Hashtags might be done. I don't know. I, I just always have an urge to just do an unrelated hashtag, you know, to be just kind of like... Yeah. But I guess if you do it right, you know, you pick the trending hashtag and you can kind of sneak it into something that you say and then you skip more eyes on it, I guess. But yeah, maybe it just seems kind of dirty, sneaky, underhanded. Yeah, I think it's a, the hashtag is like a prayer to the algorithms. <laughs> like, please choose me. Please choose my tweet. Please choose my my Instagram post. This has nothing to do with economics. Well, I guess it does have it. You know. It does. It does. Because there is that that. um thing about the you know demand and supply and interest and like oh yeah so so the the whole social um social media thing can like drive up interest in things which can bring demand up for certain things right and then you know when demand gets really high then uh and then the supply suddenly crashes because Ticketmaster's a jerk yeah and then people are spending like thirty thousand dollars for a taylor swift ticket oh yeah for that short period of time you know the supply is so constricted and there's a resale value that's crazy because because apparently even though we're in economic weird times yeah people can spend thirty thousand dollars to go see uh taylor swift you know taylor swift i mean i'm i don't I mean, don't don't begrudge anyone who wants to see taylor swift yeah yeah and i'm not disparaging taylor no, swift no no it's know. just more that the mechanism i don't think taylor swift's that happy that the mechanism to sell her tickets broke down oh no she's not yeah if anyone can change it you know it's either her or beyonce yeah i mean i guess i mean i guess i mean you know pearl jam tried yeah they did pearl jam tried remember yeah oh no i i do remember i do remember they're like we don't want to do Ticketmaster, and then they were fine yeah but i don't think they ever had trouble booking a show or selling it and i think taylor swift could do the same if she wanted to she could do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think she especially thought about wanting to, but now she might. Because you know, like, how she, like, re-recorded all her old albums? Oh, yeah. Yeah, to screw over the people who bought her, bought the rights to them or whatever. Right? No, no, it's, this is this is because she had already been screwed over, like, all recording artists by their recording contract. Right. Because there's, like, two different sets of rights. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, like, the, the songwriting rights, which has a certain amount of royalties go to it. But then there's who owns the mechanicals, right? which is like the rights to the recording session. Okay. And so the label owned that. Right. And like, since she was a kid and didn't understand that that was a thing you could negotiate in your contract. And of course she came from a point where she didn't have the, uh, 
She basically didn't have the clout to be able to negotiate it because she was a kid. Right. She didn't have the leverage. Right. That's another good word. Leverage. Yeah. But um, then now she, you know, figured it out and was like, oh, well, these are my songs. I can sing them whenever I want to. I can record my songs. Right. And I can hire my own engineer and re-record my own albums and release them and then get the the mechanical royalties on that. Right. Instead of, you know, whatever, Time Warner or whoever. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just a kind of smart thing to do. Yeah, a smart like, sort of loophole kind of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, well, she was able to do it. Yeah. And other artists might just like, you know, Bob Dylan probably got rich enough to buy all of his mechanicals or yeah. put it in his contract. I don't know. He does whatever he wants. Yeah. Does he? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing lately, but I'm ho- I hope it's whatever he wants. Yeah. I but, just know, all I know is I share a birthday with him or not a yeah. birth date, a birthday. So is there something specifically, I usually ask this, this is one of the you know normal questions for the show is what is the first thing you think of when you think of the word economy mm-hmm. and currently is it your zine that, that you think of or is it something else? Oh, well, right now I'm thinking about cheap airlines. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> economy airlines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the yeah economy seats. Economy. Um, yeah, I think. What is it? It's all about business class, yo. It's all about business class. That was honestly the first thing I thought about was uh, yeah, Southwest Airlines. Yeah. No. <laughs> but <laughs> economy. Um, also, like basically keeping track of what you're doing. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Keeping track of how, how am I spending my energy? Mm-hmm. How am I, um, how am I going to get through this next time period? How am I going to spend my time? Yeah. Right. And like I said before, I mean, there's an efficiency component. Exactly. That was the next word I was going to say. How am I going to efficiently do this? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's another thinking of the word efficiency when you think of economy is probably also a good sort of connection. Yeah. I was going to say after reading your scene, but then also a little bit before, it makes me think of Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. For a number of scenes, even. The John Hughes movie, 1986, classic. Have you seen it recently or have you not? Not since the 80s, maybe? No, no, I've seen it since the 80s, but I'm like, was it six years ago? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of... I don't know. This is kind of a guilty pleasure for me now is going on YouTube and watching a lot of these millennials and Gen Z watch movies for the first time. And it's a nice way to kind of refresh my memory on what I enjoyed about a movie without actually watching the movie (laughs) to get a, get kind of an abbreviated sort of perspective on, on what a younger generation thinks about something that came out 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, even there is a scene in there that features the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the CME, yeah, where they are are watching participants engaging in the open outcry method of trading. Yeah, are you familiar with that at all? You've seen older footage of the Mercantile Exchange, right? The Merc, as as we call it. Yeah, or people are out there just yelling at each other, selling things and buying shares. Flashing gang signs. Flashing, yeah, they're showing their cards and they got their yeah. their teletype ticker going off somewhere. And, right. Yeah. 
it looks like just chaos. We can talk about sort of just, you know, mercantile exchange facts. It's one of those things in Chicago that is, Mm -hmm. if you live in Chicago, it's iconic and you've been there. Kind of like all the different sites in Ferris Wheeler's Day Off. Have you ever had the urge to, I mean, you probably didn't because you're not from Chicago, but to see how long it would take to follow the the path of the movie? Because that is not, that is not a school day. I don't think <laughs> they're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can imagine if Chicago was in a line the way John Hughes made it in his mind. Maybe you could do all those things that they did on that day. But there's a lot of going cross town and things of that nature. Yeah, like in the probably in the order that they did them. I was like, you wouldn't do that. No, definitely not. Wait. Okay. So now there's a movie that's made in Tucson, starring a young Charlie Sheen. Uh huh. It was called The Race. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, um, man, it was about this fancy, like, ghost car and the, some kind of revenge plot in it. But whatever. They're driving all over the place. But a lot of it, they're just driving up and down Fourth Avenue and making it look like it's 10 miles long. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, what kind of stupid movie is this? It's like, uh, it's Hollywood magic. It's like, no, it's not. Hollywood magic. Although I think uh, Can't Buy Me Love also did some of that nonsense. Tucson for a while there was a movie. They made some 80s movies there. Yeah. Like Revenge of the Nerds. They have the Revenge of the Nerds house. and Yeah, they made the little house on the prairie out at old Tucson. Yeah. Michael Landon was always playing tennis. I had some invitational tennis tournament for kids or whatever, but. Here we go. The Wraith. That was the movie you were talking about, right? The Wraith, yeah. yeah. 1986. Yeah. I thought you said The Race. No, it was The Wraith. Yeah. Yeah. W-R-A-I-T-H. Yes. I, I corrected you because I thought you said The Race. You thought he had a lisp. Yeah. Because I, I was a big fan of Daffy Duck when I was a kid. <laughs> who wasn't? <laughs> Just some people who thought he was dis or whatever just an asshole like now i'm like oh daffy duck was just an asshole he was yeah Yeah, agreed yeah but in a funny way you know well the wraith sits at 36 percent on rotten tomatoes for whatever that's worth (laughs) let me get back to the the mercantile exchange some interesting things one of the things i talked about the open outcry method which was in use at the time of the filming but later it was replaced by more electronic usage I think it started in the 1970s is when they established that you have hundreds of people on the floor in the trading pit Mm -hmm. uh, to call out orders, prices, quantities of different commodities or its derivatives. You would see different colored jackets. Uh, Do you know what those different colored jackets represent? Gangs. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Each uh, one of the jackets worn by the traders indicate what firm they're part of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's firm. Yeah, that's that's what I meant by gangs. What firm they're in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Potato, potato. Yeah, same thing. Like I said, yeah. Investment gangs, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, seriously. Uh, they have the, the hand signals, which you saw. Yeah. Arb. These hand signals were first used in the 1970s. That's what I said with the part of the open outcry method. That's kind of a shorthand, um, is the hand signals. And there are pits which are different areas where you've got the recessed areas on the trading floor to facilitate more communication or to be more audible to people while you're making deals and so on and so forth. 
and they can be raised and lowered depending on the trading volume. What? So if you need more pits, you can lower some more pits. Now, it's not like it's a, a fight to the death. Although, you know, if the mercantile exchange ever goes under, you got a death, death match pit or something. Also, for someone who's probably not interested in Chicago, I apologize for being long-winded here. Located at 20 South Wacker Drive, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange was founded in 1898 uh, as the Chicago Butter and Egg Board. Yes. <laughs> That's what it was started as, Butter and Egg Board. Yeah. And it was Agricultural Commodities Exchange. All right. The exchange was a nonprofit organization until it uh, demutualized in the 2000s, actually. Wow. And it went public in December of 2002. And then it merged with the Chicago Board of Trade, 2007. And then there was also a merger between the New York Mercantile Exchange. And now mm. all of these, uh, including New York, all owned under the CME, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group. Oh, really? Yep. After the merger, value of the Mercantile Exchange in a two-year span has a cap of $25 billion dollars market cap which is a lot of aliens it means that there's a lot of money that happens there yeah i do you remember when we used to hang out back in the old days and by back in the old days i mean like 20 some odd years ago yeah in the last century that's when that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i used to for no good reason just randomly say buy the pork belly sell the soy just randomly to people yeah do you remember that? Yeah. I, that is ringing so many bells. and uh, Pretty weird. I, don't, I can't even tell you why I said it. I just thought it was funny. That is funny. I thought it was funny. I don't, I don't know why you did it, but it was funny. I'm glad you agree. No disagreement here. Back to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The one thing that I was going to say, which also is in your magazine, or in your zine, sorry. Yeah. Now there's another reason to not call it a magazine. Just don't want the MAGA associated with the zine. We don't want the MAGA. That's that's. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta make. Oh my gosh, I gotta make a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the MAGA out of magazines. Exactly. <laughs> Partly Robot Industries taking the MAGA out of magazines. <laughs> since nineteen, <laughs> since nineteen, since nineteen ninety four. <laughs> yep. Okay. But anyway, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's that beginning scene where he's explaining he's broken the fourth wall and all hell's breaking loose. Mm -hmm. And he says, not that I condone fascism or any ism for that matter. Isms, in my opinion, are not good. A person should not believe in an ism. He should believe in himself. I quote John Lennon. I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me. Good point there. Yeah. All right. I was totally thinking about that scene when I, I was talking about isms. Oh, when you were writing it? When I was writing, I was, yeah, well, that, that, that little nugget of uh, Ferris Bueller wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, it did kind of follow me. Yeah, I, that, uh, that idea that, you know, isms. And so, like, uh, to, to explain a little bit, I do talk a little bit about how there's, like, the various isms that affect economies. Uh -huh. Like, there's the capitalism and socialism and communism and there's a lot more yeah and i was just trying to like say well these are all 
again, they're like different social structures. They're like philosophies that get applied to, to how a certain country or a certain group runs their economy. Right. But they aren't really economics in themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but those isms are related to how economies or an economy is handled. They are. And there's like more than just those three. There's, you know, and, uh, but I was just like, yeah, we could go all day talking about different isms and, yeah. and, uh, you know, what's your favorite one? And my, my favorite's botulism. Oh, mine is skepticism. Skepticism. Skepticism's a good one. Yeah. I think maybe that's where I was coming from. I was like, you, you know, just, I didn't want to make this to be actually a, uh, you know, an endorsement of any kind of overall political thought on how to run an economy. It was, right. It was just, it was kind of a point of reference, essentially. Point of reference. It was like, these things exist. But then, you know, I was like, you know, one of my, my example about like the Soviet Union was, you know, trying to make communism really work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I sort of made this little exaggerated claim about but the thing about this Soviet Union was they still had a, a market economy going on underneath the command economy of the, you know, the, that was set by the dictatorship mm. because people were selling things on the black market. Right. I made a joke about how that was really what brought down the Soviet Union in the Cold War. I thought it was McDonald's. McDonald's? McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's. The Soviet Union brought down to McDonald's. No. Um, As you know, payback recently. <laughs> yeah exactly they're like you sons of bitches oh right here it is yeah i said uh yeah within the communist style command economy of the soviet union there existed another economy the black market right the black market is basically a secret economy that trades in otherwise controlled goods because the Soviet Union's communist model sought to control every aspect of the economy, there was a heck of a lot of places the flow could leak into the black market and a heck of a lot of rubles to be made. Mm-hmm. Eventually, so many resources leaked out of the Soviet warehouses and onto the black market that the communist leadership could no longer keep their economic model running. Now, that was just my... that I wrote that to entertain myself. Okay. <laughs> But it's not wrong. There's a nugget of truth there. There's either, especially like, like, um, you know, cause I was following current events and the, uh, the war in Ukraine mm-hmm. early on, there was this, this stuff about how, you know, both sides were using old Soviet era, um, equipment mm-hmm. and, um, in the Ukraine after 2014, you know, the whole Crimea thing. There was like, they had rules about, well, we can't buy parts from Russia anymore. Mm-hmm. So in the, like they were going to like try to like manufacture their own or whatever, but they kept getting these deals on uh, secondhand parts mm-hmm. because in Russia, you know, everybody's like on the take and stealing stuff from work and selling it on the black market. So a lot of equipment that, you know, Russia... Had, I don't think that's entirely true, but... What? Is that... <laughs> Well, the Russia is like th- there's a lot of corruption going on, and well, no, no, I'm not saying that there's not a lot of corruption. I'm, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying that people are stealing stuff from work and selling it on the black market. I don't know if that's okay. Uh, Russian generals who are in charge of stored equipment from the Soviet stockpile. Okay, so we're talking that. They, I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about like large scale corruption. Gotcha. They were selling spare parts. They're basically dismantling stuff. So then. 
during the Ukraine war, when they needed to call up more equipment, they were going into these warehouses and finding out half the stuff was gone. Right. I mean, that can't be the entire reason why they appear to be losing or I don't know if losing is the right word. It's not the entire reason, but it's a really interesting thing that I heard early on. But like there was also this joke about the two Russian generals meeting up saying, oh, uh, they say we're going to do a big operation. They're worried about how much fuel they have. And one of them was like, well, I already sold half of our fuel on the black market. And the other guy's like, well, I sold half of our fuel on the black market. So they both sold all the fuel and right. That was a joke. So that's why I think isms, isms, uh, people put up, put out their isms as a thing to try to gather under, but right. But they're only as strong as their ability to, uh, to counteract corruption, which I think consolidated dictatorships have a lot more trouble with, um, keeping corruption under control. Mm -hmm. Whereas like a free and open market, Right. Well, we still have corruption, but at least we get to put it on the news. <laughs> right. <laughs> at least we have these regular big scandals, and then other company, certain businesses are like, we better not do that because we don't want to be on the news like that. Because um, their ability to operate really depends on investors having confidence in the right. business. Investor confidence is important. Whereas a dictatorship does not really care about investor confidence. Right. Which means there's lots of room for corruption to happen because everybody's doing their best to control all the information all the time, which is sort of impossible. It's an exercise in futility. That's right, because people just put it on Twitter anyway. Or like that guy, oh, I was hearing an NPR story about the, the World Cup. Oh, yeah. You know, this isn't the Budweiser fiasco. Oh, that That's funny. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the other one... <laughs> Did he tweet something like, this is awkward? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, that is awkward. I'm like, oh, we got a warehouse full of Budweiser and Qatar, and we can't do anything with it. So the winning country gets it, I guess. Uh, but uh, that, that's an example of how changing regulations can mess with your business. But yeah. uh, <laughs> the other thing I was thinking about was the uh, the giant amount of uh, of record keeping that went on with the Qatar's efforts to bribe all of the FIFA officials. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there was somebody that was really good about sending receipts for all of the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the bribes. I got to put it into QuickBooks later. Yeah, I know. Like make sure you <laughs> save your bribery receipts. So, so basically these people that have been investigating it have a lot of information to sift through, but they're finding stuff that like, yeah, <laughs> We've never seen a corruption case like this. <laughs> Did you watch the um, the Netflix? The Netflix series? Yeah, they do have a four-episode series on that whole FIFA debacle. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't watch it because uh, yeah. yeah, it's a sports ball. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, I mean it's, I it's less about the sports and it's more about the how deep corruption goes and how it can be. You can turn a blind eye to it, but it's still happening. Yeah. And then the two choices that they had for the 2018 and 2022 on paper it was supposed to be england and the u.s i mean those made those made sense yeah but then somehow the political things going on in the background right whether or not there were bribes which i guess comey and their investigation or whatever the fbi investigation turned up a lot of dirt on it but it's just an interesting sort of thing about corruption i thought was was the series it's like you know 
the Russian stuff that you mentioned, there is a game that I picked up that's called Papers, Please. It doesn't relate to economics at all, but it is an interesting game that tells a story through kind of a communist sort of you work at a border thing where you have to ask for people's papers and you've got to confirm that they're the right person and and look at their different documents and make sure that they're all correct and you've got to filter through as many as possible so you can make money so your kids don't die of dysentery or whatever Mm -hmm. interesting game if you ever are so inclined pretend like you're papers please the graphics on it are very much like old school looking and there's an option for nudity (laughs) which i didn't realize i was like looking through the options i'm going nudity why why would you need nudity well there was apparently one of the additional things like as the days go on it becomes more and more complex to verify things and then you have a scanner in your booth Mm. that will allow you to confirm gender and confirm whether or not they have any contraband or you know any other things on them yeah the tagline is papers please a dystopian document thriller (laughs) <laughs> the document thriller isn't that really <laughs> that sounds a lot like the, uh, Trump's lines in the, the 2016 campaign against Hillary oh yeah her emails her emails right there's a document thriller yeah, definitely document thriller by now we're like his tax returns his tax returns yeah don't get me started on tax returns yeah sorry I, that's another thing it's yeah I gotta do my taxes later yeah but you can't blame somebody for having trouble filling out those forms i mean yeah especially when TurboTax. i don't think they have a version for millionaires they i you might need to yeah i get something special i know they have the 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 home business one yeah yeah i like that one that does me yeah for you it would make sense yeah it makes sense yeah because i have like my my regular job it's all online these days right quick um you know, yeah, you you even if you buy it at Costco, they just give you a piece of cardboard with a you know a key. Yeah, I think you could download it, but um, it's updated all the time, and it's just kind of neat. I've got a very basic tax return, so I don't need to use anything but the. You sure don't the free version. So let's get on to the last thing. The last thing. Yeah, about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Which is about Ben Stein. Ben Stein. Oh my gosh, Ben Stein. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember uh, when Ben Stein's money? I, yes. <laughs> Him and, and Jimmy Kimmel was his co-host. Oh yeah. When, that was the best. That was like my favorite game show. Oh really? You watched a lot of those? I watched a, yeah, I watched a lot of when Ben Stein's money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a game show created by Al Burton and Donnie Brainerd. Whoever those guys are, yeah. The geniuses behind Win Ben Stein's Money. Yeah. Original episodes ran from July 28th. It was 1990. <laughs> it was 97 to 2003. Those were the original episodes. Okay. I probably only watched it for the first couple seasons then. Cause... Yeah, the grand prize of $5,000. <laughs> $5,000 of Ben Stein's money. Which... Okay, so here here's the interesting thing. It wasn't actually his money? <laughs> uh, well, okay, so I think the interesting thing is the way that they set it up, he didn't actually put up any of his money. No. It was his money because if there was money left in the pool, 
at the end of a season, mm-hmm. they set aside a pool of money. Uh, okay. And then, so that would be like Ben Stein's bonus. Yeah. There would be like a tip or whatever. A tip. Yeah. So he would win that. That money would probably be uh, provided to him in a, a 1099, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, maybe it all depends. You know? Yeah. Who, who knows what the contract says, but I don't yeah. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting. It wasn't actually his money. He had no there was no risk of him losing anything. He his just his pool just became lower as other people won. Yeah, but uh, and you know, if you're doing accrual accounting, it, it was his money. Uh, yeah, it was just Yeah, it was it was taken from his account receivable. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was okay. There was a Every time someone wanted, it was a $5,000 deduction from his account receivable from right. MTV Networks. So, yeah, that's true. That's I mean, true. He just, didn't, he just didn't have the cash yet, but he could... Uh, yeah, it was yeah. and it wasn't his money. It would be his money at the end of the it, season. It was, yeah, I know. In, in like real people's terms, it wasn't. But in Ben Stein's terms, it was his money. Right. <laughs> it's mine, I'm pretty sure. He was like, that's my money. Yeah. <laughs> I think more accurately be, that's my money. That's my money. My yes. money. If you want it, you need to best me in a feat of intellectual contest or whatever. Yes. I'm not sure I strung the right words together. But That's okay. That's okay. It's okay. It's a podcast. You know? It's a podcast. If people want to have sentences that go in the right order, they, they should read a book. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want improv and expository speaking... That's us. But anyway, um, that's us. That's... the economics teacher, which was Ben Stein. Yes. Uh, also related to this, you know, this discussion. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe you got the inspiration from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, it just seems like there are a lot of economic sort of things in there. Wow. You know what? I'm going to have to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off again. Yeah. Because now now I'm like, I'm like seeing like, yeah, this you might be onto something. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, people. Yes. So here's here's listeners. You gotta you can get the zine, and then you can uh, Netflix or the uh, Pirate Bay, yeah. Ben Stiller's. No, not Ben Stiller's Day Off. <laughs> ben Stiller's Day Off. That's a different movie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The John Hughes classic. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Don't accidentally rent Curly Sue because that's Curly not Curly Sue. Yeah. Is that another John Hughes? Yeah, I think that was a John Hughes. That Probably. Was like, one of the later, one of the later John Hughes. He did a lot of movies. He did a lot of, you know, he did the Home Alones. Yeah. He did the the National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, was that John Hughes? I had no idea. Yeah. I think he wrote the screenplay. Hmm. I don't know if he directed it, but. Yeah. Probably not. Probably the screenplay. Because he did do a lot of screen screenwriting. And yeah, he did a lot of screenwriting, yeah. Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That was his brand. Del Griffith. Uncle Buck. Yeah. I almost feel like John Candy's character was the same guy in both those movies, even if he had a different name. Oh, you mean in, in both? I mean, in my mind, when I watched them in the theater when I was whatever that age was, Yeah. I just thought they were the same guy. And also yeah. the same guy from Home Alone right yeah or was that home alone 2 i don't know well no he, home alone the first one yeah john candy was in there too yeah maybe the john i don't know maybe john candy is just always john candy but he does have some some range as far as his uh 
his role oh, as yeah. I do believe. I mean, I mentioned previously watching those watch along where you have millennials watching the movies. They did watch both of those Uncle Buck and Planes, Trains and Automobiles. The people who did watch both of those did mention exactly the same thing, that they were the same guy. They were the same guy. Yeah, yeah. they were the same character type. And he, he was basically, yeah, this, the same thing. And, but that only makes sense. Like, like, oh, this character was really cool here. And then yeah. let's try it out in a different, a different venue. I mean, that's, yeah. that's Hollywood. Yeah. My favorite scene in Uncle Buck was that whole scene with him and Macaulay Culkin where they were talking back and forth really fast. <laughs> oh, man. Back to Ben Stein. Back to Ben Stein. Okay, Ben Stein. Yes. Yeah. Ben Stein's liability. When Ben Stein's, I don't know, assets. When Ben Stein's account receivables. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new show. Yeah. It's a new show. Oh, yeah. Here is the dramatic reading of the economics teacher from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Now prepare yourself mentally and physically. This is going to be a long ride, okay? Yes. Okay. In 1930, Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone, the Great Depression, passed the anyone, anyone tariff bill, the Hawley-Smoot Tariff Act, which anyone... Anyone raised, raised or lowered, raised tariffs <laughs> in order to collect more revenue for the federal government? Did it work? Anyone? Anyone know the effects? It did not work. <laughs> and the United States sank deeper into the Great Depression. Today we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone seen this before? The Laffer Curve? Anyone know what this says? It says that at this point on the curve, on the revenue curve, you will get exactly the same amount of revenue as at this point. This is very controversial. Does anyone know what Vice President Bush called this in 1980? Anyone? Something D-O-O economics? Voodoo economics. <laughs> and thus concludes my dramatic reading. I think I put a little too much. A little too much life into it. Yeah, yeah. too much life. I should have. It's should really have hard. That, deadpan. Ben Stein, is, it's, he was the deadest pan. That's <laughs> so do you have anything to uh, say about the Holly Smoot Tariff Act? I don't because it didn't work, right? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. I just like saying Holly Smoot. Holly Smoot. So yeah, that was my very long-winded what I think of when I think of economy or economics. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We could probably find more connections there. Yeah, so can I recommend that everybody do a back-to-back reading of of the zine and watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I think that's an excellent recommendation. Then they should send you a... Like, comment, and uh, subscribe to your podcast in order to let you know that they did that. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Go ahead and do that. Yeah, I'm telling them right now. Okay. <laughs> in the Twitterverse. In the Twitterverse. Yeah. I I am. Oh, I I maybe well, I will. I should write myself a note to that. I had one last thing. 
That Washington Post article, which I said I was going to send and I never did send, had a video games-centric article that was called, Are Video Games Recession-Proof? And I think we touched on that a little bit because you, you said- You mentioned it, yeah. You, you also mentioned like, well, how can you afford these things, the Taylor Swift tickets, right? Yeah. That's how can you afford this during a recession? And that is an interesting question. Are video games recession-proof? What are your thoughts on whether or not video games are recession-proof? Well, here is my thought. Okay. Uh, Hollywood was recession-proof. Hollywood was depression-proof, right? Yeah. The movies took off because people needed that avenue of escape. So if video games, like if their price is something people can afford and they feel they get a lot of value out of it and it does give them that escape from worrying about the real life mm -hmm. stuff for a little bit, then maybe, yeah, maybe it is a re recession proof yeah. little industry because it's uh, providing, you know, some respite to people for uh, a reasonable price. Yeah. And, there were a couple of video game crashes, but those yeah. were back in the days where games were much smaller experiences. Yeah. And now, as you have more stories being told in games, as you have larger and larger environments that you have to explore, games that last hundreds of hours instead of a handful. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, maybe that's, that's really like, you know, I brought up the Hollywood example. Maybe games are doing a better job of that than Hollywood. Right. Because right now Hollywood is like, well... We haven't had movie theaters open and now they're open, but people don't want to go because they got used to streaming. And yeah. now all the streaming platforms are like trying to figure out what to do. And they're trying to create these series with engaging content for a long time. Yeah. Probably in response to like the, the more in-depth storytelling in the games. Oddly enough, there are a lot of uh, Netflix series that are based on games too. <laughs> yeah. They're that too. Yeah. So it's like, it's a, a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood isn't going to die anytime soon. No, they're not going to die. They just have to, you know, shift and squeak onto something else. Yeah. The obvious shift is to streaming. I mean, it's like, you know, you've even got yeah. companies like, you know, got Paramount Plus, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of that. And, and then, you know, that Disney and so on and so there's forth. There's so many streaming platforms right now, though. And like, they're all like figuring out that, oh, we need to shift to being able to do advertising to actually pay for our expenses and make a profit which means they're going to be just like broadcast tv used to be yeah except for a little bit more ability to choose your programming pack you remember back in the day when you had a choice of three things to watch on tv and one of them was hee-haw right and right <laughs> mini pearl talk about economy yeah you know, you gotta you gotta keep that price tag on your hat. Yeah, in case you need to return it. Yeah, exactly. She was well ahead of her time. I think that that uh, <laughs> well ahead of her time. That mini pearl. She was frugal. She was definitely frugal. Yeah, but definitely. Um, and that's why we like Yeehaw, because we all had to be frugal in the seventies. Because I don't know. I don't know if, if but but Did I'm, the baby boomers spent all the money in the sixties. I don't know if there was a gang fight between Hee Haw and Shanana. Ooh, yeah. What are we thinking here? Oof. I don't know, man. I think Bowser's going down. Yeah, I think. I, <laughs> I think I think Roy, I think Roy Clark could take out three Shanana guys, but yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> And Minnie Pearl fights dirty, I'm pretty sure. I oh, mean, you know it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and plus all the different things you got. I mean, 
saxophone versus jug which is your weapon of choice the blunt yeah, object I mean, or the jug is yeah because once you break the jug it's a knife yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think that's as good of a place as any to conclude our show so for those people who want to contribute to your wonderful zine and your creative endeavor if, if you if people are interested in uh ordering my stuff well you can go to my website which is partlyrobot.com or if i've got a i did a bitly that goes straight to my little web store oh, okay bit.ly backslash economy robot bit.ly backslash economy robot all one word all one word nice. yeah cool I highly recommend, and thank you for mentioning me in the thank yous. Oh, yeah. You you are welcome to be on the show anytime. Okay. So whenever you're back in the Tucson area, definitely look Whenever I get back to the old Pueblo. The old Pueblo, yes. Or the dirty tea, as some people call it. The dirt. <laughs> Tuck town. Who, call, who calls it dirt, the dirty tea? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody called it the dirty tea. I don't remember who did. But I bet you that was Jesse. That was probably Jesse. Sounds like a Jesse thing. I don't know. Yeah. The dirty tea. The dirty tea. Uh, but anyway. Di- um, yeah. Uh, do you have the, <laughs> the closing comments on the word economy? You know, if you're going to buy something, make sure you're buying something that's worth it. How yes. about that? That's excellent. Yeah. My closing comment to the folks at home, maximize your equity by improving your intangible assets and reducing your liabilities. Translation. There you go. Don't be an asshat. Don't be an asshat. Yeah. Remember that. Your reputation is one of your intangible assets. So if you have a reputation for being an asshat, then uh, people might not want to work with you. Yeah. Especially (laughs) if you live in the dirty tea. If you live in the dirty tea, (laughs) you might be an asshat. You must be. (laughs) (laughs) And that is an excellent way to close the show. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yep. And on that note, my name is Ben. And my name's Andrew. And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Bye. All right. All right. Bye.